Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast Forums Edition. You know you're in for a treat when you hear that music, because it's time for another edition. I'm here with the other members of the Wrecking Crew. We're here at the pleasure of Website Amp and Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino, and we're here because we love poker, and we love sharing our love of poker with the rest of the poker world. I am just one of many uh, recreational poker players at Rec Poker. Um, if you want to learn about me and the other members of the Wrecking Crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, uh, or you can just learn about them right here. Crew, why don't you share a little about yourselves? I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5 by 5 on PokerStars and Twitter. And I'm John Somsky. I'm also known as Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Kim Kilroy. I'm Fergie 56 on our home game and Pat Pat everywhere else. And as you can hear, we are playing against each other in the nightly home game here on Poker Stars. We're trying to steal each other's chips to get one step closer to that elusive bronze pin. And just like every week, we're going to take a post from the Rec Poker forums, which are completely free with your community account. If you go to rec.poker, all it takes to sign up is an email address and a smile. And if you're listening to this, I bet you've got both. So go post your own hand there for the topic for the group to discuss here on the air. This week, we're looking at one by our own 5x5 Chris Jones. The post is called Let's Talk About Queen Queen. And Chris, let's talk about Queen Queen. What uh, What do you want to talk about Queen Queen about today? Uh, I want to talk about Queen Queen and sort of big spots. Because I find myself in big spots with Queen Queen a lot. And I feel mm. like I'm maybe... Um, I need, I need help. I need, I need, I need lots of advice. I need help in lots of ways, I'm sure, but uh, I need poker help for sure. So um, anyway, we uh, we're playing in a, in an ACR tournament. Uh, It's a big one. It's a Sunday. um, And it's one of those five hour late regs. We're very deep into this. So we're very happy. We've made the money. Um, and we're down to a hundred people left and there uh, we're we've already locked up $400. So yay. Uh, but there's 68,000 up top to win this thing. And so we're 30th overall, we're 30th out of 100. We've got a decent 47 big blind stack. Um, and which is good for third at our table. So that's kind of the setting that we're, uh, what we're kind of up against. Um, a new player has just arrived at a, in a seat that has, uh, I think this is their second hand at the table. Um, they're directly to our left um, and we've never played a hand with them. So they have 38 big blinds. So we have them covered, but they've still got a stack that can do a lot of damage to us. Uh, and we are under the gun and we are holding queen of spades, queen of hearts. And we open to 2.2 big blinds, which I don't think is very controversial. This new player uh, three bets us to seven and a half big blinds, which are fairly decent. You know, it's a healthy bit three bet. It's not massive, but it's not small. Uh, and it folds back around to us. And this is where um, this is where I'd like to start the conversation. Um, if you look at, um, if you look at, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, I've looked at this after the fact, Range Trainer Pro, Floptimal, all these kind of charts will basically tell you this is uh, when you're 40 big blinds effective, this is a four bet jam, you know, just get it in and, and, you know, you got Queens, you got the third best hand in poker. Um, let's go. Um, is it, is it that simple? I, I don't know. Like when I'm down to, 
when I'm 30th out of a hundred in a, in a tournament that's got 68,000 up top. And uh, if I go out or I get crippled here, I can't go out, but I could get really crippled. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess, I guess I, you know, I'm just trying to maximize my EV. Um, but, but I worry about the calling range of my opponent when I shove 40 big blinds here. Um, and if they're, if it's anything better than like tens plus, um, we've got, we've got some equity issues and I, I'm, I'm, I just, you know, I'm not trying to doubt the charts. The people who made the charts are smarter than me. Um, but I look at those charts and these are the kind of spots where I start to, to doubt them a little. And I'm wondering if there's other ways to play them or I'm wondering if I'm just thinking too much. So that's where I start. I think you're thinking too much. <laughs> I like the jam here myself. I really do because you're way, way, way far away from the 68,000 right now. You're just like the, the pricing, the payout increases are probably really flat at this yeah. point. And, you know, if we take this person on and get called, most likely they're going to fold. But if we get called, there's only two hands that we're worried about. Like we're not really worried about ace king. We're, well, I am. well, well, it's a great time to take a race here yeah. and win the race and have a big, huge chip stack. Um, I think that this is the time in the tournament when this flat payout structure is going on that we have to embrace some variance and try and get a big stack to take to the final table. So I do like the, I do like the jam. You said you were afraid of Ace King. So if you could have secretly looked at your opponent's cards, saw that they had Ace King, wouldn't this be an automatic jam? I mean, you're you're ahead of Ace King. Yeah, you you really don't want to call, but that you're putting so much pressure on Ace King. Yeah, it's I gonna know. really well, hard Ace King. I think call. is gonna call. Like I I think you know I've played enough of these tournaments where, uh, and maybe I just you know it's just sometimes you I don't know like. I guess I'm I've run into maybe I'm in like a uh, like one of those variance dips that's causing that's like reinforcing the way that I'm playing but like I keep getting to this point in a tournament taking a flip and losing mm-hmm. and saying wow I just played for six and a half hours and min cat or you know barely min cashed and I want to win these things sometimes. <laughs> like, should I, should I, I mean, I, I hear you embrace the variance. Right. But like, I don't know. I, 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 there, there's part of me that's like, I keep losing these flips and then I'm like, well, maybe I should be like, maybe I, I have, I do think I, I really, I mean, I'm not trying to brag or like whatever, but I think I have a potential skill advantage over not everyone there's lots of players who are better than me but but a good portion of like the acr field especially post-flop like i feel like i'm able to to hand read better i'm able to make better decisions i'm able to make tough folds i'm able to make big bluffs um and some part of me is wanting to like decrease the variance that i'm facing in these spots maybe because i keep losing these flips um but but maybe the answer is you can't do that. You really just have to just embrace it and you have to take these thin equity spots. And sometimes the flips are going to go your way 
and you're gonna you're gonna have a monster stack and that's gonna serve you really well and that's you know that's how yeah. it goes or kim do you have something to say only that this would have been tougher for me with jacks but it's not in my i think queens is a clear get get it in at this stack size and, and and the thing and Kim's talking about for our listeners at home, Kim's talking about how sort of in the in the metagame of the tournament, in the big picture in the tournament, this is a point where the payout structures are small, the payout jumps are small. Um, it doesn't make that much of a difference if we go out now or in a few spots. And so this is kind of when she talks about embracing the variance, it's in the kind of the big picture of the tournament. But there is also this other side of it, which is you can embrace variance, but you also just don't want to make negative EV decisions. So I think one thing that Chris is struggling with here a little bit is how accurate can I put um, a range on my villain here to continue with? And if, if even though the GTO charts are saying that he should continue at 10s plus and ace king, if, if we think exploitatively in this case, this player is only going to continue with queens plus and ace king half the time or, you know, jacks plus and never ace king, then... Uh, it actually really changes the equity because this is so much, this is such a small range already. If you chop the bottom off it, and Chris makes this point in the post here too, that uh, if you if you if we remove ten ten, uh, our equity is down to forty seven percent. And even with the pot, even with the money that's already in the pot, it's not nearly as attractive um, a shove. So part of it, and I struggle with this all the time. I feel like I'm in a spot where I should take advantage of what I feel like is my knowledge of the metagame of the tournament. But I also feel like because the other people maybe don't even know that maybe their ranges aren't quite what they should be in this spot. Um, do you guys have any advice for how to, I guess what I'm asking is like, how do you, how do you arrange people better? It's a weird question to ask, but how do you have confidence in that? Yeah. And I guess the other thing for me that, that, that is a struggle to add on to that is like, I, I feel like, I can, I can suss out what type of player somebody is fairly quickly. I know you need a lot of hands to really make a, a judgment, but, but I struggle with these kinds of decisions the most when it's exactly this kind of spot where I've never seen this player before. Yeah. I don't have any, and then I've got to fall back on what does, what does population do here? Mm-hmm. And does population, you know, is population, uh, getting it in with nines, you know, or tens here I, or ace queen, you know, like if, if they are, then this is a, this is a fist bump, get it in. Um, is it, is population folding tens? Are they sometimes folding jacks? Then it starts to get a little bit iffier. And I, I mean, it's a big shove. Okay. So let's look at the information you do, you do know. You do know that this is this, player's first hand at this table okay so when someone gets that frisky on their first hand they have as much information about you as you do of them Mm -hmm. as a matter of fact they're in a worse position because they have um the entire table that they in theory could have no no information on what how does that skew their range Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I don't know how it excuse populations range. Excuse my range to tighter. Like mm-hmm. when I show up at a at a first hand at a table, uh, I I I like to be able to see a little bit 
of the table play, if at all possible. I mean, if the cards force me to like be aggressive, but I, I will, if there's like those borderline hands, I'm going to, I'm going to skew tight uh, until I have a sense of what kind of table I'm at. But and, I don't and, know if that's. And in a vacuum, looking at this action too, when you open under the gun at 2.2, when they choose seven and a half big blinds, that is a little bigger than they would need to choose there. And they're choosing to, to three bet and under the gun raise that they've never met before. So unknown opponent, three betting a tight range, slightly larger sizing than you might think. Um, that's all going to skew my read towards a tighter part of their range. Now, it doesn't mean that they don't have parts of their range that they're going to fold to your queens or that they're going to call improperly when you shove the queens. But it's uh, it does kind of make me narrow their range a bit towards the tighter side. The other thing that's interesting about this hand is if you told me there was one big blind stack that I could choose never to play in my life, it would be around 40 big blinds. It's such a stupid size when it comes to shoving pre-flop, but it's also a stupid size when it comes to getting it in post-flop. It's impossible to, it's like hard to make good bet sizes with a 40 big blind stack. So you're always either over shoving or smaller betting, but then not having a pot size bet on the street that you need a later. So um, if people want to think a little about sort of how the pot geometry is affected here, having 40 big blinds puts you in a spot where you kind of can't, you can't be as nuanced as you can with even 30 or, or 60 big blinds. It's a tricky spot. So right now, go ahead, Kim. No, I was going to say, Chris just talks about this, assuming he's going to get called. And I think you're going to get a lot of folds. I think oh, yeah. one of the, when people raise this much, they're trying to get you to fold. Mm-hmm. You know, That's a, in I mean, general. Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and that is a really good result from uh, this um, spot. Um, but part of me thinks like, if I call for the most part on most runouts, I mean, there's times when it's going to get really dicey for me and and I'm going to have to make some tough folds with my Queens, but, um, I can still get those same hands to fold. Um, and, and I can be very wary of, uh, Ace and King and frankly, you know, some of the other kind, you know, Jack and 10, basically Broadway hands that aren't a queen um, are, are, are not the kinds of flops that I'm really loving. Um, I'm, I'm probably not folding to a Jack high flop or a 10 high flop, but they're not, they're not like, yay, this is exciting. Um, but, <laughs> that is a but, lot of flops. Just but <laughs> I think, I think there, there are, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I did end up flatting this. I, I think in game I knew it was technically a mistake, um, but I think the spot sort of like I just felt, especially because it was under the gun one who did this. It just it felt ugly to me. Um, but I, I think in retrospect I, I probably should have, but can, I didn't. Can, can I ask if there's a stack size that you would feel good shoving here, even with the ranges that you've described? Is it like twenty big blinds you're getting in for sure? Thirty big blinds you're getting in for sure? Thirty I'm getting in for sure. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. And then then it starts to get into forty. It just feels like am I just punting too much? Like this that's like I don't know. Like it depends. It's all the range. It depends on the range. That's what the math tells you and I know that's what the solvers tell you. But it just feels like at some point 
we are we are narrowing our opponent's range into that that where like the bigger your shove is the more their range should be that calls you the hands that beat you yes and i don't know a 40 i don't know i don't know right what do you if somebody does this to you are you calling with tens Uh, possibly possibly because he only had 38 big blinds to start the hand and he's put in almost eight so so you'd be calling like a 31 big blind shove if you had tens there possibly depends how if you weren't you you probably wouldn't three bet him if I, yeah. I'd probably just call tens if I wasn't going to call I mean, a, a the, four bit with him at that point. Let's talk about what the clear three bet bluffs that he could have, or mm-hmm. a decent player could have here, right? I mean, I think they're yeah, they're um, well. It depends if you consider ace king, but ace king, ace queen, ace jack. No I mean, all the <laughs> yeah bluffs. <laughs> those are those are kind of those are bluffs. Those are bluffs right now. Ace jack suited is a bluff. Ace jack suited, uh, ace ten suited. I think are, uh, you don't consider if you don't consider those bluffs, then um, I mean, I guess they ace could five. Have, I guess I yeah. Would consider yeah, maybe a, bluff. a little. Uh, maybe we're down, and we've got some like probably you know. There's probably hands like jack ten suited in there. There's probably hands you know. You might find um, I, I block queen jack suited some. Maybe some king jack suited things like that. You may find some. Although again, like they're not going to get too out of line against an under position under the gun raise. Yeah, right. I'd feel a lot better about flatting this hand if you had position for the hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you had been three bet by the blinds, for instance, um, I would feel a lot better about flatting this and being able to play it in position. Like it's mm-hmm. just so tough to play out of position passively with a big pocket pair like this. Right. Right. They can check back the flop and then hit a big right. card Which on the is, turn. Right? And then we'll talk about that on the flop because I, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> and, and I, and I, and like, I go into these kinds of hands with a, with a pretty, you know, like if there is a flop that is, you know, not an ace or a King, I am going to be leading pretty big into my opponent fairly often. Um, and, and, um, I, I, that I, you know, it could be a controversial, uh, statement. I, I do want to ask you about that a little, because that's the kind of situation. And maybe I'm going to ask this question. Then we'll hear our, from our friend, Jonathan Little, and we can pick this up on the other side. But Chris, isn't that a situation that when you have pocket Queens and it's a Jack high flop, isn't that a situation where you've let ACE King see the flop and decide if they make it or not when they then decide to put extra chips in, in a way that they, if you'd done it pre-flop, they wouldn't be able to get off the hook there when they, when they don't hit. I know there's a, there's a good answer for that, but let's let our friends at home think about that while we listen to Jonathan sure. for 30 seconds. Here. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a pre-flop raise or three bet instead? Like with Ace King. What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with Ace King when you miss the flop? It's complicated. Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. 
That's Jonathan Little, folks. Go to rec, go to pokercoaching.com slash rec poker. And if you don't think it's a good value for your money, you can email Jonathan Little and he will give you your money back. He promised me he would. So if he doesn't, you tell me and we'll have words. Um, so Chris, we're in this spot. And the one question I had that I think recreational players like us struggle with a lot is if we're trying to get ace king involved here when we have queens, we really want that to happen pre-flop. Because if ace-king is going to get involved post-flop, it's going to be with an ace or a king. And they're not going to get involved when there isn't an ace or a king. I Uh, disagree with that. Okay, thank you. Uh, Explain that a little bit. Uh, I think people, especially if they three-bet with ace-king, and argue with me if you disagree, but I think people have a tough time folding, especially Mm. if just one bet. But it's very easy to check through hands where you don't hit your ace or your king. So when you're out of position in a three-bet pot and you have a strong holding like queens, um, I like – this is one of the spots where I really like a lead because mm. it, it's not as if you've just had a passive action from the big blind where you've just called. And um, you have, you've opened and called a three-bet, and um, I like putting some pressure on ace-king because I think ace-king call I – th- I find that ace-king calls – um that kind of even if they don't hit if it's if it's you know especially if it's like eight five three right then they're just like well my ace king might still be good and uh, i could still hit an ace or a king and and there's all these kinds of things that and i was the three better i i i can't just i can't just fold this to one bet and i i i feel like you can get value out of ace king here do you disagree? I guess this really play. I guess it's pool dependent, right? It's the same kind of thing. It's like what what level are the players on that we're trying to get this action from? And I guess the other thing I'd be thinking about is how, how does the entire range respond to our choices pre flop and on the flop? Mm-hmm. And if if we're gonna get, I mean, aces and kings, pocket aces and pocket kings are essentially gonna play the same way. Because um, mm-hmm. you're going to get it all in on the jack high flop, no matter what pre flop or on the flop. Um, so I always, well, the way I think about it, I've thought about how how do you get ace king in when they don't have a pair. Uh, but I think, I mean, yeah, I think as the the players that are going to get more involved later um, when they don't pair up, it's actually you're kind of free rolling yourself a little bit there, I guess, in that against that group is what you're saying. So, I, yeah, I like that idea. I hadn't thought about that because then you have to have the discipline to play better poker post flop now, which isn't yeah. which isn't really my strong suit. So I like to get really easy decisions on the pre flop or on the flop, you know, like these kind of decisions. These are the these kind of decisions, the ones that yeah. I like. But um, that's a very sophisticated take, Chris. So I'm interested. That's interesting. Well, I, I, you know, like part of this, I think. I, you know, I, we started this episode, Kim said I was overthinking it. And I think she's right. Like, I do think I've, <laughs> I've had like, uh, you know how, like you can look in your poker tractor and you can see like your, like, I just have, and I'm not trying to be like bad beat stories, whatever, but I, you know, you can see like your, your BBs and your expected BBs. Yeah. Your green line and your chart. yellow line, right? Mine has a really big divergence right now. <laughs> like I am just not winning the flips like right now, like that is just not happening for me. And so like, I think there is part of me that's like trying to avoid them. And 
and and that is not necessarily the right strategy but um you'll never win them if you keep avoiding them yeah right 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 that's true that is yeah. true but i think i'm fine i'm trying I, I i have been thinking about what are the kinds of spots where we can avoid flips mm. and maybe try to play post-flop because mm-hmm. we can we can maybe have an edge on our opponent um and this mm-hmm. was one where i initially thought that that might be but i think that this is hand is too strong and we get ourselves too much in trouble out of position and i think you're probably right that we need to to end up um to end up just shoving it for 40 when when you decide to play this passively with just the call pre-flop i don't think it's i personally don't think it's a good lead on the flop mm-hmm. i would be looking to check raise this mm-hmm. and try and get the chips in um and then if it goes check check we get a we can now lead the turn if it's a favorable card for us so uh i think that just donking at this like you're going to get called by almost anything that the villain has here right which is but that's okay with me actually yeah that's good yeah like that but i mean this way if you're going to play it passively and a bad card hits the turn now you can just fold right if they bet right check fold and you've saved yourself a big bet there so just the the decision to play it passively versus not so passively i think and if you're gonna or i prefer the check raise on the flop yeah well i I mean if i was gonna check it i would definitely check raise it um Mm -hmm. but um yeah. So no, I mean that that's that's fair as well. So the the flop just for our listeners' homes, the flop comes at two of spades, three clubs, five of spades, and uh, what we're talking about is is the flop action here. And um, we got a couple of great comments in the forum. I always encourage our listeners go check out these forum posts. You can see all the details, and people write out these detailed responses and add notes in here. Um, Sir Gasleek, who's been typing in the forums a bit lately, is great to see them uh, sharing their knowledge and questions with the world. Um, Sir Gasly mentions, I think population calls off ace-king for sure. This is fa- facing the hypothetical four-bet. Uh, but tens is definitely questionable. Absent a read, I like your play of just flatting here. Flop, I prefer to check, however. He has the initiative with his pre-flop three-bet, and the flop misses your range. So I would expect him to see-bet very often here. Then I probably just check-shove. Uh, we also get a comment from Binkley, who's a member of our Wrecking Crew as well. You can go to rec.poker slash Binkley to find out more about Eric Jin and the Peel event that he runs every Thursday night here at Rec Poker for premium members. And he has just a great response here. When considering how to adjust our response to a three bet, we need to judge one, is villain three betting wider or tighter than the assumed range? Two, is villain calling wider or tighter facing a four bet? Which is sort of what we were talking about earlier. Like, can we actually predict their ranges effectively and maybe make this just a math decision um without a specific villain read we're going with population reads here and uh without you need a pretty strong read to deviate from equilibrium so we should be dropping we should be jamming jacks plus and if we're dropping jacks to tighten up then uh, removing queens is too extreme so he would four bet and uh, thinks that they would call at a high frequency uh so do you want to talk about the the flop a little more, um, Chris? Or do we get? Well, I think this? it's a specific flop that, um, you know, I, I hear you. I hear you not leading it, but I think it's it's going to be 
I mean, I can't imagine villain. Maybe villain's going to bet aces. Um, but I think that otherwise this is going to check through mm. so much. And I don't think we want that. Um, it's a very draw heavy board. If they have an ace, now they've got, you know, if they got ace king, now they've got two overs. Um, maybe they have a spade. So they're beating our spade and they can hit a four now. So there's, there's, there's enough here that I think I want to charge some of those hands, but, but I, I hear you, but I just, this is exactly the kind of flop that's going to check through a ton. Okay. That would be the deciding factor for me. If I thought this player was going to see bet here at a wide, well, with a high frequency, I, I think I agree with Sir Gasleek that I'd like to put this in a check raise. But if they're going to check behind a lot, and th- these are stats that you can have on your HUD, on, on the read max HUD, you can you can check all this stuff out in real time. Then I do like your lead. I think that's a good, I think that's a good take. Um, so we we do lead and we get called. Um, and unfortunately... Have we said what the flop was? Uh, yeah, it's a, two of spades, three of clubs, five of spades. And we have the queen of spades, mm. which is fairly relevant because the turn is the king of spades. Uh, right. Which is a dirty card. It sure but is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm not very worried about flushes because I think the other, the only other hands that probably are bet, uh, either raising that flop uh, after my lead, or if we check and then, you know, either way, I think that that's a kind of like a flush draw is probably getting fairly aggressive right here. A flush so draw, not... a flush draw would have meant that they chose to three bet you with a suited hand. Mm-hmm. And if that is the case, they are going to see that they're going to play that flop draw aggressively. Right. They didn't, right. they didn't three bet you with a suited and hand to not play it aggressively. When really, it you know, it is. Ace Jack suited, Ace Ten suited, Jack Ten suited are yeah maybe they maybe the only hands possible that are right. left. Yeah, the King and the Queen are blocked by the yeah. cards we know about. Um, and the and if they have some of those wheel ones too, they're all blocked. So even like the Ace Five, and mm. I mean, I guess they could have they could specifically have Ace Four suited, Ace Four, ace yeah. four of Spades, and already made a straight. I guess. <laughs> um. <laughs> It seems pretty thin though. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, but so I'm not that worried about a flush, um, but Ace King does loom pretty large here. Um, so uh, once once this happens, are you continuing on this turn? If you, I know a lot of us would never be in this spot because we would just jam. <laughs> so why are we even talking about it? But uh, if you reach this spot, uh, what are you doing on this turn? And at this point, the pot is uh, 17 and a half big blinds, and we're 31 big blinds uh, effective. Uh, uh, or that's right, that's on yeah, the flop. That's on the we're flop. We're 19 effective, and the yeah. pot is 41. So, so the villain only has a half pot bet. That's, that's the real key here, I think. So, as played, um, you know, they've put in a good portion of their stack already. And now the question is, do we want them to put the other, the half pot bet in? So Chris, do you want them to put the half pot bet in here? Like, is this a value bet or a bluff? Like, you know what I mean? Like if you were to lead here, would you want them to call or not? I mean, I think that villains should 
be folding uh, most of the hands that we beat if we bet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the only I mean, maybe they're gonna hold on with like if they can po- if they can have like if they can have ace of spades with the queen with a queen or ace of spades with a jack. Uh, I know we block the queens, but if they can have that kind of holding, they might hang on. Um, I, I'm assuming if you bet, you're going to go all in here. Yeah. Right. So, what hands that we that beat us are we making fold? I don't think there's really any hand that beats us that we're we're mostly. So, I, I if we're betting here. I don't probably think we should, but if we're betting, we're betting targeting some kind of value, like maybe jacks with the jack of spades, maybe ace of spades, jack, ace of spades, queen. Um, Pretty, pretty, pretty small number of combos compared to the rest of the range, right? Right. That does skew me towards a check. Yeah, me too. I like the check. See if we can get a free card too. Yep. Yep. And And then we get, jammed it, on then then it's a player dependent answer at that point i think if we get jammed on i think we have to call yeah with the queen of spades in our hand yep and i think we can fold without it maybe yeah i think that's right yeah i think that's exactly right i think the queen of spades makes this uh we check and then i think we have to call because um we're only in like jail right here if they already have Mm. The nut flush, or if they have a hand like aces with the ace aces of spades. with the ace of spades, yeah, then, ace then king with the ace of spades, somehow. ace king yeah. with the ace of spades. Yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. like the worst case scenario. Yeah, yeah. you got you got the two outer, right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Actually, you might only have one outer. Oh no, we do have the queen. We have the yeah, yeah we have yeah, the queen. Yeah. So <laughs> that that, that matters. It doubles our outs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, it's a it's a very tricky spot. I like that we're. Um, I like these hands where we sort of are ahead and behind and and different parts of the range really do respond very differently. It gives us a lot of interesting discussion points. Uh, Anything else that people want to add in here? Well, then I guess I'd like to thank uh, Sir Gasleek and uh, Eric Jin uh, Binkley at rec.poker slash Binkley. You can check him out. And of course, I'd like to thank Kim, John, and Chris, uh, Steve Fredland, who can't be here tonight, uh, Website Amp, and our friends at Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and everyone else here in Rec Poker Nation. Thank you, everybody.